You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 209. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And in this episode, we're talking all about the importance of emotional intelligence in the workplace. Whether you're a PMO leader, a project manager, or an executive, it is critical that you understand the role that emotional intelligence plays on your success and the success of your team. You see, emotional intelligence is a crucial skill for anyone looking to develop their leadership abilities, build trust in the workplace, and influence stakeholders. Because if you want to have credibility, if you want them to go with you on this change journey, they have to believe in you. And the only way that's going to happen is if you have your EQ in check. Luckily, emotional intelligence is a skill that can be learned and improved upon at any age. And in this episode, we will explore what EQ is and how you can best develop and apply it in your day-to-day work as a PMO, project leader, or executive. Now, before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by Keydin. Keydin offers dynamic project portfolio management software for growing and scaling results-driven PMOs. What makes Keydin unique is that unlike complex, hard-to-use PPM solutions, Keydin transforms the way PMOs deliver insight-led decision-making through stronger user adoption, exceptional customer experience, and powerful product innovation. With you when you start and there for you as you grow, so you can experience a collaborative, customer-focused journey delivered by people who care. Keydin helps you be more than a status quo PMO by helping you adapt to industry trends and become a proactive PMO that embraces change. Experience Keydin's configurable end-to-end functionality that your team will actually use, giving you the ability to grow quickly and scale for maximum portfolio value. Learn more at keydin.com and take your next step to becoming a results-driven PMO. Okay, let's dive in. Now, our guest today is Suzanne Madsen. She's an internationally recognized leadership coach and mentor for project and change managers. She has partnered and founded the Project Leadership Institute, which I got to hear all about before we got started, and it's so cool, which runs leadership programs to help project managers become better leaders in the workplace. Now, over the years, she has worked with many high-profile companies such as J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Philips, BAM Construction Company, and NXP Microchip Firm, just to name a few. Now, Suzanne is also the award-winning author of The Power of Project Leadership, which is now in its second edition and has been described as a must-read for everyone in the project world. Now, Suzanne's also a prior speaker at our fabulous PMO Impact Summit, where I got to learn all about Suzanne's perspective on emotional intelligence and why I asked her to come speak to all of you impact drivers about how important this is to your very success. With that said, Suzanne, welcome to the episode. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited. 
Now, before we turn the recording on, you and I got a great chance to catch up. And we've been trying to schedule this podcast for a while, but you did something I was incredibly envious of. And that is you took a full three months off. And I can only imagine what that did for your mind, body, soul, and everything in between to just hit the reset button a little. I'm wondering before we dive in officially, if you just share a little bit about what that experience was like. Yeah, you know, there was a point earlier in the year when I thought, oh my God, I just, uh, I wish I could take three months off. And as soon as that thought came into my mind, I thought, whoa, what if I really were to do that? And there was something that really just um, told me that it's a challenge. I have to see if I can make it happen. So I did. I told my biggest clients, I'm going to take time off. I told my coaches, I'm going to take time off. It was over the summer, June, July, August. And it was amazing. You know, I'm originally from Denmark. I've lived over 20 years in the UK. So I still have a lot of family there and my parents are now over 80. So it really enabled me to go and spend time with them, both at the beginning of the sabbatical and at the end. They live by the sea. I went cold water swimming uh, everywhere I went in Denmark. And I'm still to this day, I'm taking cold showers every single morning. So something stuck. I went on a retreat. I really had the opportunity to just slow down and just be rather than do. It was amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I like to uh, refer to the, you're not a human doing, you're a human being. And a lot of times we spend so much time doing that we forget to just be and be still and be mindful and be thoughtful. And whenever I take those opportunities, I feel like I'm just so much better able to serve my clients and my students in the community because I've done a little self-care, right? And there's a long story we won't get into now, but I explain this to my coaching students. I was going through something very difficult, like all the difficult things happening all at once. And I was on an airplane actually headed to a devastating funeral. And I had my son who was a toddler sitting on my lap. And this flight attendant looked at me and just like really grabbed my attention and said, do you hear me, ma'am? You need to put your oxygen mask on first before you take care of everyone else around you. And she was not just talking about the very overactive toddler on my lap or my stressed out mom sitting next to me. She was talking about the world around me and how I had to be strong and couldn't be unless I took some time to take care of myself. So it hit me so hard in that moment. And I know this woman was seeing right through to my soul. She wasn't just going through the emotions. She could feel it, right? And- Yeah. And that really helped me remember how important it is to really do a little bit of self-care. And I'm sure a lot of our impact drivers listening are thinking, but I can't do that. I have a job and they won't allow it. And I'll tell you what, there have been times when I was inside organizations as a PMO leader and I was moving from one role to another, or there was a time where I was a part of the decision to cut me from the business leadership, the company because it wasn't doing well and it couldn't afford me and was taking the company in a direction that didn't need me anymore because of the kind of work that they were doing. And so I found myself with time off and it was, (laughs) it was also an insane time in my life. And I got really intentional about not getting a job right away. And I was a newly single mom. I, you know, it, it made sense for that business to make the decision they were making because I was expensive and they couldn't keep me and keep doing what, you know, the 
different part of their business they were going to then focus on. And so even though I knew it was coming, even though it was the right decision, it still was hard because here I was, I didn't have a job. I was a single mom. I had two mortgages and I needed a break. And so I took that break and I spent about three months. Now, mind you, I had a toddler and a lot of chaos in my life, but I took three months off and it was over the summer months. And as soon as the job thing happened, it happened to be near my birthday. And I just grabbed the kid and we just drove to the beach. We packed our stuff and just went to the beach. And I just stayed there until I felt like my pieces could get pulled back together. Right. And doing that and taking that time and being intentional and resting and recovering and putting my oxygen mask on first made it so that I was so strong when I finally went into my next PMO leadership role. I had the armor that I needed to have on me in order to do that well. So when I listened to your story about doing that, you didn't need to have some big major life experience to do it. You just said, this is something I want to accomplish. But I want our audience to know this isn't just for people that run their own companies. Think about that next role you're looking for. Think about, you know, how can I have my money in reserve? you know, build up some savings so that I could have three months or six months of income in order to be able to make a decision like that in order to be able to do some self-care because the times I didn't, the times I rushed from job to job to job, I regretted not having some peace and some time to really consider that. So anyway, I just, as you were saying it, and I was thinking about it before we started, I'm like, you know, this is a really good learning opportunity for people and an opportunity to think differently about what is possible and how they might be able to get there. But actually, I so agree. And what you're making me think is that I actually did that way back as well. In 2008, it was the financial crisis. I took mm. six weeks off. Mm -hmm. I was a busy project manager. There was no way it was, listen, I was worried I might lose my job taking six weeks off. I wanted three months, but it became six weeks because I was worried mm -hmm. of making myself redundant. I went to India for six weeks. Wow. Yeah. So I completely agree with everything you're saying. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So that wasn't really what we're talking about today, but it kind of is connected because in order to be able to build your emotional intelligence, there's two parts to that. When I hear emotional intelligence, I think mind and heart, right? And for both of those to be able to connect, you've got to be in a place where you are rested and can focus on your growth and think about others. But if you're constantly in a fight or flight mode, you can't really do that, right? You can't go deep. You can't go do the deep work and the change work and evolve your own leadership capability if you are so busy worrying about the things that are stressing you out. So to me, all this is connected is if you find yourself an opportunity, a time where you can get some rest, where you can take care of yourself. And maybe it's not taking three months off, or maybe if you find yourself in between jobs, you take a little bit of time to take care of yourself first before you jump back into another role. It might serve you better than you even realize. And if you're thinking this sounds great, but I don't have the money for that, start saving for it now. There's a concept called the latte factor, which is by David Bach. And I refer to this in another podcast episode, but it's all about how much could you save if you weren't spending five to $10 a day on your favorite flavored coffee drink or whatever that looks like for you, the little bit of frivolous money adds up and you'd be surprised how much a coffee a day can turn into a savings before long. So anyway, I just encourage all of you to listen. If you think about all this sounds impossible, nothing's impossible if you focus your energy to get it solved. And on that note, 
I really want to help people understand what this whole emotional intelligence thing is all about. So you ready to dive in, Suzanne? Absolutely. Bring it on. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So let's start with the basics, because I think there's a lot of people that have a lot of assumptions about what emotional intelligence really means. And everything we're going to talk about after that is going to be building upon that. So let's start there. What do you mean when you say emotional intelligence? Actually, I'm going to draw on Daniel Goleman's work because it's hard to talk about emotional intelligence, at least in theory, without also mentioning David Goleman's work. We call him the founding father. He was one of the early pioneers to publish some of the work that the researchers were working on. And his book, Emotional Intelligence, that came out decades ago, was really the first to put this on the table. And to simplify one of his definitions, there's two parts to it. And no doubt these two parts will come up in this conversation. So the first part is it's the capacity to be aware of and to manage our own emotions. And then it's the capacity to handle interpersonal relationships empathetically and effectively. So sometimes it can be a bit challenging to hear a new definition, but essentially what we are saying is the two sides is, first of all, it's about my own emotions my awareness of my own emotions, my ability to handle my own emotions. And then it's about other people's emotions, what we often call empathy. So some people say, oh, emotional intelligence is all about empathy. Well, it's half about empathy. The other side is about myself. But focusing on others and their emotions is really about empathizing with others, understand what's going on for others, and use that to build effective relationships or build trust, as you mentioned before. Mm, I love it. And you know, As I'm listening to you say this, I'm thinking a lot of what we teach in our Impact Engine PMO program, which is an implementation program for PMOs, what we teach people is that they're doing this change journey with people and through people, not to people. And in order to really know how to solve the problems that matter, you must get into the shoes of your business leaders, your executives, your stakeholders, and talk about what their pain is and really get into what are your pain points? Where are your challenges? What does the world look like to you? And now that I'm hearing you say it this way, that's exactly what this is, emotional intelligence. It's about using your EQ to apply that to discovering the real root causes and challenges and frustrations of your business leaders so that you can solve those And by doing so, you do exactly what you talk about with building trust and them seeing you in a much more accepting and supportive, just trusted role, right? Because you're addressing what matters to them as opposed to kind of forcing what you think they need onto them. So I love this definition. Yeah. I I mean, just to second what you're saying, yes, those people who deliver change thinking that it's all about just having a clear goal. Well, of course, we need a clear goal, but bringing people with you, that's what leadership is all about. It's people who deliver projects. It's for people that we deliver projects. So yes, the emotional intelligence is really, really crucial. And Daniel Goleman, just to mention him again, in his early work, he actually found out that 58% of all successes in all types of jobs were related to emotional intelligence. But in leadership, it was 90%. So the the more senior we become, the more important the emotional intelligence becomes. 
Wow. Okay. So I was about to ask you why it's an important skill to have for really anyone in the workplace, but you just nailed it, right? So let's talk about that a little bit more. And for all of our impact drivers listening, they are leaders. They are either in an executive or middle management role in their organization. They either have direct reports or manage teams of people that do or don't report directly to them. And if, for example, if they're in a PMO that they're just starting, they may not have a team of people, but they are influencing and bringing together all that do project work in an organization, right? So they have a responsibility to influence and bring people with them through the process. So they're in that 90 plus percent category, all everyone listening, right? So let's break that down a little bit more. Why is it so important and how does that play out? Well, the way I see it is the more senior you become, the more you can delegate the tasks, what we need to get done. Mm -hmm. But again, working with people, leading people, having the difficult conversations, having some conversations that are perhaps yeah, challenging, that may bring up triggers in people or be full of conflict. You can't delegate those. A sensitive conversation, you have to have that as a leader. That's what makes you a leader also, I would say. It's coming back to the definition of leadership, bringing people with you. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to overlook. We can't overlook emotional intelligence. Yeah, for sure. It's incredibly important. So everything you do is, and like you're saying, when you're in leadership, it's not as much about you doing the things yourself. It's about bringing other people with you that are doing all of the things and to be able to lead them and for them to trust you, they have to see that you get them and that you care about them, right? One of the things I remember the very first time I was ever on a stage and it was on a panel talking about project management, the PMOs and having a seat at the table. And someone stood up from the audience and said, we should just have our seat at the table and they should just understand that we belong there. And what they were trying to articulate is that they needed to be understood and they didn't understand why they weren't understood. And I flipped it all around on them and said, it's not their job to get you. It's your job to get them. Right. And if you want your seat at the table, you need to understand what matters to them and put yourself in their shoes, applying what you're talking about here from an emotional intelligence perspective, as opposed to waiting around for people to get you. And so I think that plays out constantly for all of our impact drivers and the work that they do is that they have to stop expecting people to get them and they have to start putting themselves in other shoes and understanding the challenges they're dealing with because they are in a position of service and should be serving others. So this just weaves together so nicely with all the things we need all of our impact drivers to know. Uh, absolutely. And I was going to add one other thing sure. because times are changing. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I would argue that emotional intelligence is becoming even more important to us because, listen, we look around and we see nothing but complexity. We see nothing but uncertainty. And whereas you might think, okay, yeah, so we need to be really cognitively intelligent to handle all of this. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. But even more than anything, we need to connect with people. What happens when we have uncertainty? What happened during COVID? People feel fearful. When your team is fearful or people around you, you, people you work with, they're not thinking rationally. They're not going to be able to deliver. So if we're not emotionally intelligent in those situations, we're not going to be able to lead because we're just going to come from a rational point of view. But our team members, if they are full of fear, 
they're not able to engage and listen because they're, they're somewhere else in their brain entirely. And the other aspect, the more uncertainty we have in the world, which I can only see becoming more and more, the more we need to rely on the team thinking on their feet. Mm-hmm. Because we can't figure it all out from the outset when we deliver change. Things will change. They will change. Even during the change program, they will change. Right. So being able to navigate all of these dynamics, being able to connect with the team and get the team, as you're saying, or the customer, whoever it is we're collaborating with, and together we can come up with the ideas for how to navigate all of this complexity. But together means I need to, again, engage, I need to lead. I can't just rely on what we did two years ago because the world has changed. So it's becoming even more important to connect, to lead, to get people to look at what's happening also emotionally. Oh, for sure. And this reminds me of uh, examples like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And when you are in that place where you are fearful and you don't feel like you have safety, which happened to a lot of people during the height of the COVID-19 global pandemic, a lot of people didn't feel safe. And people were in leadership roles and organizations trying to get people to do things without first addressing the fact that they didn't feel physically safe. They didn't feel safe from a job perspective. They didn't feel safe from a health perspective. People weren't sure if they could go on a walk in their neighborhood without getting COVID. And so the safety was real. People were being told not to leave their houses and that they would die if they did. I mean, it was pretty darn serious. And then you have business leaders that seem to not understand that your people aren't even listening to you right now because they have so much fear going on. So address that first, focus on that first, give them a sense of safety, do what you can to support that and address that and acknowledge that. And then you can talk about whatever change needs to be made. But that was done well in some organizations and done so poorly in others. And you can see the effects of that and what they were able to accomplish during that time period as well. Yeah. What was the missing piece or the piece that made the difference? I would argue it's emotional intelligence. Of course it was, of course. So let's talk though about this skill or this set of strengths that you should have develop, et cetera. Some people might say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I've been the way I've been and I've been successful getting things done. And you know, I don't need to focus on people's emotions. Don't bring that baggage to work, right? You might have some people saying that, or they just might simply be like, I get it, but how do you develop that skill? So I'd like to start with a little bit of the focus. If there's anybody that's got that, yeah, but monster climbing up on their shoulder saying, I can't change at this point. I've always been this way. What advice would you give to them? Well, firstly, I would like to say that if we have that mindset, it will be very difficult to change. So if I say I I can't learn for sure, I, I agree. You probably won't. So we first have to acknowledge, do I want to change? And if I do want, then do I agree that I can? Now, I'm not saying it's easy because it's true. We are programmed. We've learned all this stuff over however many decades, Mm -hmm. but we mature throughout our lives. We do learn. Even if it's small pieces, we learn very slowly. And you actually opened this podcast by saying that it is a skill that can be learned. And it is true. It's like leadership. Some people would say, oh yeah, you're born a leader or you, you know, I can't become a good leader. I'm introverted. I can never be a good leader. (laughs) (laughs) We're not saying that it's easy to become a great leader, but it is 
definitely possible to develop our leadership skills. And the same goes with emotional intelligence. We can learn a few very simple, powerful techniques or practices that will go a long way in helping us to connect with ourselves and others. And I know that because I run these programs mm -hmm. and we use sometimes actors to practice behaviors with our participants. Neat. So it is, you know, it's about pausing. We can dive into all of these in more detail, but it's in conversation. What tends to trip people up is that they only focus on the content of the conversation. They only focus on the goals, let's say, or the tasks. Mm. They forget mm -hmm. to think about, am I connecting? How am I coming across? What are they really trying to say? What's going on for them emotionally? So we just go on autopilot. Right. So what we need are some tools that can help us to pause, to reflect a little bit in the moment to take that step back, to count to 10. However, we can inject some time that allows us not just to focus on the task, but to focus on the person and to focus on, hold on, what is going on for me at the moment? What are my emotions? What's going on for the other person at the moment? So basic emotional intelligence is about having enough awareness and willingness to even contemplate that the emotions are important. Right. And then we can begin to build that muscle of noticing, of becoming aware. And it's simple, but not necessarily easy. Right, right. So that's what I was going to say is let's dive into that a little bit more. But before we do, I want to acknowledge those listening that are saying, ah, I'm good. I've been successful without bringing emotion into this. And my question to you would be, have you really? Have you actually really been successful? in the eyes of your business leaders, in the eyes of your stakeholders, in the eyes of your teams, if you don't take any opportunities to acknowledge them as human beings, are you sure that they see you as successful, not just that you have been grinding it out and forcing people through your approach, method, process? And if you look behind you, do you see people following or do you see the aftermath of people feeling like they've been destroyed along the way. So that would be my challenge to anyone that says, I don't need this emotional intelligence stuff. Look behind you and see, are the people smiling and following or are they looking a little worse for their wear? And then for anyone that's like, okay, I get it. I love it. EQ, I definitely see people as critical to our success. And I see them as human beings and I respect them and I appreciate them. And I want to show them that I am with them. How can I do that? So we've started to scratch the surface, but you know, Suzanne, with my audience, they want to go deep and they want the house. So can we talk a little bit more about exactly what you could do to develop this skill? Yeah. So the first pillar of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And actually the first tip is asking for feedback. And that goes also to the people you just addressed before. People who think, well, I've been fine so far. I've been fine. And you ask them to self-assess. Yeah, it's fine. I've probably still been fine. But ask for feedback because imagine you're a, uh, you're a jar with a label on. You know, you can't see the label from inside the jar. You've got to get perspective from outside in order to read the label. So oh, I love that. Asking for feedback is an important step for anyone who wants to develop 
themselves, full stop, especially leaders. That's that's just, it, it's really leadership 101. Any leadership program will start with 360 feedback. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we have to listen to everything that people are telling us, because if you ask 10 people, they might give you 10 different comments back. But it gives right. us an indication. It could be spend more time listening or whatever. There will be an indication or be less impatient or you tend to push too much or something like that. You know, especially if it's anonymous feedback, people will get it. So that helps create awareness. Personality profiling tools help create awareness because some personality types have certain challenges. So people who are very um, people-oriented by nature may be naturally able to empathize much more than people who are by nature more task-oriented and driven. So some personality types are very empathetic and they wear the heart on the sleeve, for instance, so that they notice their emotions all the time. Mm-hmm. I work with a lot of technical managers, technical organizations, yet they have some more challenges getting into the emotions. So that's one of the most basic tips, I would say. And also reflect on how you're coming across. So it could be journal. I know people might think journaling, is that something that we should really do in a professional environment? Right. That's somebody else. <laughs> journaling is for other people. That's not for me. Exactly. But <laughs> right. what we what I'm really saying is it could be Daily journaling might be a bit too ambitious. So it could be reflecting on a weekly basis. I mean, daily would be ideal, but reflecting on a weekly basis. What triggered me this week? What mm. um, what conversations did I handle really well? Mm-hmm. Who did I connect with well in the workplace? Who didn't I connect with? What kind of what happened? Right. Was I mindful? Was I present? And this reflection and journaling should be done with a view to just creating awareness. Right. Because we can only change what we are aware of. It shouldn't be done with a view to beating myself up and criticizing myself. And that's an important point. Right. Right. Well, and it's something that can be done so simply, right? Because it doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, if you've been to conferences and you've gotten these journals and they're all just sitting there and they haven't had a use, you now grab one of those and you've got it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be complicated. But those questions are a really good starting point for you to just bring awareness to your experience and be in the moment. And if you really focus and don't allow yourself to get distracted, you could do this in a few minutes a day, like five, 10, 15 minutes if you're having trouble answering those questions. Or then when you're in a situation that didn't go well or went really well, pause and just write yourself a couple of sentences as to why did it go well? Why didn't it go well? Or if you don't know that, just write down what happened. And you can do that in just such small moments and then go back on a weekly basis and reflect on all of that. And you will build that EQ muscle that you need to build over time. If you're going to the gym for the first time or you haven't worked out in years, you don't start with the highest weights you've ever done in your life. You meet yourself where you are and you start with just going through the motions until those bicep curls feel more comfortable, right? (laughs) And then once they start feeling a little bit more comfortable, then maybe you add a little bit weight and a little bit more and a little bit more. Because if you do it all too fast, you're going to be so miserable 
the next few days, you won't do it again. So instead of making this an exhausting, intensive experience, just start with those light dumbbells. Just start with a few minutes at a time and then work your way up to a more inclusive, exploratory experience over time once you've had some time to get used to it, right? So if you are thinking, I just can't do this, I am so sorry, but five to 15 minutes of your time that you're not on TikTok or watching Netflix or doing something else that you maybe could cut out for a few minutes a day, then maybe you could find the time to do this and it will pay such huge dividends over time that you will quickly see the return on investment for those few minutes, a day, a week, et cetera. And then you'll actually look forward to it because if you're anything like me, as the process gets in place and you start getting into a rhythm and you build a habit and the data becomes information because it starts telling you something that you maybe didn't see, that's where you can really dive deep into creating change. And that's where the explosive performance improvements can come in, not just for yourself, but also for how you're interacting with your teams and your stakeholders. So make the investment a few minutes at a time to build that self-awareness so that you can then start reaping the rewards of all these things that Suzanne's talking about. Okay. So keep going. This is so exciting and so simple. We just need to not overcomplicate things and little bits can go a long way. And thank you, Laura, for mentioning these few minutes, because it's actually, I think, potentially more beneficial to take a few minutes out more frequently than what I suggested, like a big chunk end of the week. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you listeners why, because what we're trying to achieve with emotional intelligence is to get off the autopilot. Because if we are on autopilot and we do what we've always done and we task oriented like we've always been, nothing's going to change. So the more frequently we can interrupt that autopilot and reflect and pause and even just say, how am I feeling right now? Yeah. That doesn't take many seconds. It begins to build that awareness that I'm not just a human doing. Right. Right. Remember, we don't want to be a human doing. We want to be a human being. (laughs) Okay. So let's make this very practical for people. So we've given them some ideas on things they can do to create more self-awareness. Now, can we talk a little bit about some practical situations where people, as they're building this EQ muscle, might need to draw on those new skills they're building? So I guess the situations are when the rubber meets the road. So let's say somebody is in a situation where, and everybody listening right now can think about a situation that tends to trip them up, that tends to trigger them or yeah, in any way activate them. So what's happening is, let's say you were having a conversation with somebody from your team who hasn't delivered what they wanted to deliver. And if you are like most people, this situation or maybe a slightly similar or different situation will somehow make your temperature rise. (laughs) You may feel, I don't know, frustration or anger. I'm using anger because it's an easy emotion to work with. We all know what it looks like. We all know what it feels like. Whether we're trying to hide it or not, we know inside of us when something pisses us off, excuse me, (laughs) but something frustrates us, right? And that's when we need to begin to self-regulate. So in that moment, the big choice we have is how do I respond to this team member or person from my team who hasn't done what they said they were going to do? I'm angry. Do I show my anger or don't I show my anger? Right. 
Because emotional intelligence is not about suppressing my emotions. It's not about being stoic. It's not about being happy all the time. It is about choosing the right level of emotion when I respond to this person. Mm-hmm. And there is no set answer for that. Okay. Sometimes it's very appropriate that I show my anger. Sometimes it's not appropriate because it's not going to be effective. So the trick is coming back to what we said a moment ago to just pause and acknowledge, actually, I am feeling angry right now. Okay, what do I do? Is this a moment to say, you know, I'm actually, I actually feel hot (laughs) right now from what you're saying. And I'll tell you why I'm getting angry. Or is it a moment to show compassion and ask them, okay, what's been happening for you? Right. It completely depends on the situation. It depends on the context. It depends on the person in front of you. However, it's that ability to reflect and to pause, to count to 10 before we just go on that autopilot and respond the way we always do it or react, I should say, because I use the word reaction to something that's on the autopilot and responding to something that is a deliberate response. Right, right. Well, and I've found that, especially if you're seeing something that's out of character for someone, there's probably something underlying that you don't know that's going on that is affecting their ability to perform as expected. And so instead of getting angry with them, what I've found whenever I've paused, took a deep breath and said, what's really going on here? And then asked them, what's really going on here? I've been very surprised at the answers and they had nothing to do with where I thought the problem might be because it often had to do with something going on for them emotionally. You know, I would hear things like, oh, I was up all night. My kids are sick, you know, whatever, you know, I'm dealing with this personal challenge. This is happening and it has nothing to do with work and has nothing to do with what's going on, but we don't allow ourselves an opportunity to discover and then feel for them, right? Because we've all had things that have happened to us that are difficult, right? That's the whole point of empathy, right? Is it's about being able to connect with a challenge or experience, positive or negative, that somebody else is having, and then be able to support them. And so I feel like that's a really important part of this. And I have learned to, instead of get angry for me, this is how I deal with it. Instead of getting angry or getting frustrated, when I notice that first start of anger and frustration, my first response to pause when I feel that first start and take at least one really deep breath and say, okay, what information do I not have that I need to really explore what's going on here? And then I try and change, you know, my whole perspective, quite frankly, and, you know, as to this might be something that has nothing to do with the situation we're in. And let's explore that and then figure out our path forward. Because it doesn't mean, and I don't think you're suggesting, okay, well, once you figure out what it is, great, then you just have to deal with it or just accept things the way they are. No, that's the path to real change is understanding what's really going on with someone, right? Yes. And you say so many things that we can pick up on here. First of all, you say you notice. Mm -hmm. You notice Mm -hmm. that frustration and anger rising. That's the very first point. Mm-hmm. And you also, you didn't mention the word curiosity, but that's actually what's happening. You are yeah. becoming curious about what's going on. So curiosity is such an important skill or ability, because if I'm not curious about the other person, how can I even empathize? Right. And I also want to bring back the word trust that you mentioned at the very opening of this podcast, mm-hmm. because we all know, I think, what it looks like when we are able to build trust with somebody. Mm -hmm. Well, what are all the ingredients you use to build trust? 
well it is to listen, to open up, to be curious, to inquire. What do they need? What do I need? What's going on for them? You have some shared experiences. You can't build trust with somebody if you don't know what's going on for them. Right. Trust means that you feel comfortable with somebody also because you have been places, you understand what's going on for them. You begin also to understand how they are responding to situations. Right. It's all about listening, connecting, asking questions. How is it possible to be curious without asking questions? Right, right. Beautiful, open questions. What's going on for you right now? What's important to you right now? Right. What do you think the solution is? And how might we get there together? Right. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So are there any other situations that your students, your clients experience that would be good examples to share to just really help drive this home before we wrap up today? Well, I mean, there are lots of situations, but one that comes to me is giving feedback. I think most of us are in situations where we need to give feedback to somebody. And if we are very task oriented, we just want to get it done. We just want to say it. Or if we are conflict avoidant, we don't want to say anything, right? which is also not good. Right. So that's a situation where we could do with some preparation, maybe considering how am I feeling about this? What mm -hmm. do I really want to convey? The person I'm giving feedback to, how are they likely to feel when they enter the room? Mm -hmm. How do I best deliver this message so that we don't lose the connection, but I still get the message across? So... In negotiation situations, which feedback is not, but it makes me think in negotiation situations, we always talk about being hard on the target, but soft on the relation. Oh, yeah, I like that. So we need to be clear on the performance goals. We need to be clear on what we expect from each other, but we need to be soft and empathetic when it comes to the personal relationship. We don't have to break the relationship or the connection just because we want to say the truth. Right, right. So how can you have the conversations that need to be had in a way that doesn't close down their emotional connectedness to you. Because if you do that, they're not going to hear anything else you say after that anyway. And you'll damage the relationship. Right. And that happens over and over again in organizations. And then there the trust goes. Finally, yeah. absolutely. Finally, I say what needs to be said or I'm insensitive. So I just like a bull in a china shop. I break relationships. People don't trust me anymore, as you said. That's a sign of somebody who could do with strengthening their emotional intelligence. Right, for sure. For sure. Wow. So good. Okay. So before we let people know how they can find you, are there any other tips or guidance? I feel like I could just talk to you about this all day because it's just so critical and such a foundational component to success of our impact drivers here. Anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up? Oh, you know, I agree with you. It's such a huge topic and there's so much we could share, but what I might just say to people, Think about the next mm -hmm. week at work. What is likely to come up for you? What meetings do you have? What situations would be best to practice in? And just right. take one of them. Like if you're facilitating a meeting, group facilitation requires a lot of emotional intelligence because you need to make sure that everybody's heard, that nobody's favoritized, and that you notice what is going on in the room beyond just what is being said. Right. So I would just recommend everybody look at what's in your diary, look at any challenging conversations that might be coming up this week and just pick one one situation where you could begin to practice some of this 
Oh, so good. So good. All right. Well, Suzanne, I know that people listening are going to want to connect with you and learn more and dive deeper on these topics. So can you just share a little bit about where people can find you and about your books and your programs and all the things? Absolutely. So you mentioned the book first. So the book is called The Power of Project Leadership. It is on Amazon. And if we have any Chinese listeners or Polish listeners, they can get it in the native language. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's interesting because on my leadership program, we have four people from China in this cohort and they're like, oh my God, your book is famous in China. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the book is, is I would say, the first point of call because it is about the human interactions uh, sure. to a large extent. My website is my name, suzannematson.com, S-U-S-A-N-N-E-M-A-D-S-E-N.com. I have a YouTube channel with a lot of short videos. I am on LinkedIn under the same name. (laughs) And what have I not mentioned? I think that's that's probably about it. And if people were interested in learning more about the Project Leadership Institute, where would you like them to go to learn more about your coaching programs and how you support people in accomplishing these goals in their organization? I believe there is a link for my own website, but the Project Leadership Institute does have its own URL with exactly that, the Project Leadership Institute. It's a Mm. long name, but that's what we're called. Right. (laughs) But it's just called theprojectleadershipinstitute.com. So easy enough. Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll make sure to include all these links in the show notes for the podcast episode on our website. So they'll all be there as well. So thank you, Suzanne, so much for being here today. Thank you for talking our impact drivers through the importance of emotional intelligence and how they might apply the right level of emotional intelligence and self-awareness, self-management, and ultimately empathy to make that greater impact that they are so meant to make in their organizations and help us change the world for the better one project and organization at a time. So thank you for being here. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, so did I. And I know our impact drivers will as well. All right, impact driver, that's it for this episode. If you've absolutely loved what you've listened to today, make sure that you hit subscribe so that you're the first to know when new episodes drop and that you download all of these episodes automatically so that they are with you no matter where your high impact journey and Wi-Fi takes you. All right. Bye-bye for now. 